Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Wednesday the 13th of September. Today, I am joined by Ondine Wren, who is a competition winner. Hi there, Ondine. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. And you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, so, which, um, which story did you pick out from today? So today, uh, China's business confidence problem uh, interested me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the story, what's the story about? Um, so the unpredictable regulations and sudden crackdowns from the Chinese government on different businesses mm. uh, is still negatively affecting business sentiment of um, many entrepre- entrepreneurs and the private sector in general. Mm. Uh, so business confidence in China is at its lowest point in a year, uh, especially among entrepreneurs. And consequently, there's a slowdown in job uh, creation, wealth mm. creation, innovation, and GDP, gro- GDP growth. Mm. Um, so interestingly, uh, the re- there's a research that came out from the Peterson Institute for International Economics that shows that um, the share of state-controlled companies among uh, largest listed companies increased from 57% mm. to 61%. Mm. And conversely, the share of the private sector dropped below 40% for the first mm. time uh, since a while. Yep. And the reasons for this business confidence problem is from, among other things, uh, a debt problem that China has been having uh, which affects the local government's ability to inject cash uh, in the economy and the recent real estate sector crash uh, mm. from a national perspective. And in addition to that, you have obviously the trade war that's going on between China and the US and the different economies of the West that have been um, trying to come up with ways to rely less on China's economy. Mm. Um, so in conclusion of all of the, these recent events, uh, business owners have had to navigate a very uncertain regulatory landscape mm. and economic prospects in general. Mm. Um, so the lack of confidence is bad for the economy in many different ways, uh, especially when it concerns the private sector, because in most economies, including the UK, uh, the private sector actually accounts for more than seven, uh, 50%. Mm. Um, so you can imagine the consequences of a lack of confidence in that sector mm. and uh, so now one of the main uh, consequence of a lack of business confidence is a reduced invest- investment mm-hmm. because generally in bad economic conditions most play- players will take a wait and see approach to not take any unnecessary risks yeah we think that at a lower scale on an individual scale when the economy is doing bad obviously uh, as individuals we spend less we save more just in case mm. and so nobody's really gonna start anything new and is just gonna wait to have better prospects in a way mm-hmm. and obviously the government the chinese government is aware of these problems uh, which is why they've eased uh, some restrictions on the real estate sector and uh, took some measures to boost the consumption, such as uh, tax cuts and uh, reduced uh, mortgage rates. Mm. Um, 
And for me, the story actually shows that although uh, the Chinese economy is in a bad shape, I think we might have reached the worst. Mm. Um, all of these trade news, all of China's news in general, I think have slowed down a bit. Um, and we've seen that the real estate bubble has bursted. So for now, things are bad, but I think we'll see an improvement in the near future. Mm. And um, I think when we're talking about this, there is this um, comparison that can be drawn with the bit Saudi Arabia, where the economy of Saudi Arabia is very reliant on oil and they've recently issued a statement to uh, indicate what type of measure and directions the government is going to take to rely less on this specific sector that's oil. Mm. And in China's case, um, and you mentioned this and I agree with that, that um, Overall, China needs the government and especially the key person of the government, Xi Jinping, needs to uh, do something big, make an announcement to restore confidence in its people that China is going to do good and that they're going to focus on many different industries and explain a bit what's going to happen in that sense. Because for now, they're mainly concentrating their efforts on the automobile and real estate and service sector. Uh, which leaves out a few uh, industries out of the, the list. So in that sense, I think it's a question of reassuring everybody at the same time that China will be less reliant on its import experts and will concentrate on its local uh, businesses, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of this? Yeah, so um, again, interesting subjects. You again make um, some excellent points there. Um, I I feel that you know the 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 news flow and data points um, recently have not been particularly good, um, and I think that as a result we've seen some measures like the you know central bank um, uh, you know sort of uh, deciding to cut some types of interest rates. Um, just as a, as a quick aside. Um, whenever you see in the newspapers the interest rate changed, you know, up, went up or down, the fact of the matter is there are loads of different interest rates. So um, the headline rate that you might see, it will be one that is the most closely followed. Um, but for instance, there's, there, there's different lengths of interest rates. Um, so I, I remember when I, when I was broking, I used to use a, a Bloomberg terminal and you know i'd go on there and i'd go interest because i thought oh what is the interest rate of whatever, whatever country it might be uh and then i look look it up and then you'll just end up with about three pages of different interest rates um for that one thing so um so anyway in in this case with china um it has it has cut some rates but not all so um so it means that it's not quite it doesn't have that, you know, oh, wow, yeah, headline-grabbing factor about it. Uh, I think there have been, um, you know, there are lots of um, initiatives going on at the moment um, in China. And I, like you were saying there, I really believe that what needs to be done is there needs to be some kind of statement. So um, as you referred to, you referred to Saudi Arabia's 
um, Horizon 2030 program, which basically is is like a roadmap to um, taking Saudi Arabia or weaning Saudi Arabia off um, oil revenues and and you know introducing new industries and new revenues, um, and everything kind of feeds into that. So even things like the the sports uh, investment, you know, that's all designed to give Saudi Arabia a, a better image um, to attract more businesses over there, um, but also to really boost a, a, a tour, the tourist business. Yeah. And then the idea is once everyone has a lovely experience there, then the negatives, you know, they think less about the negatives etc etc and it all goes well i think similarly and you know in china's case um i do think the the most of the data points have been overwhelmingly negative um of late um and uh, and so i think there does need there does need to be um a, a turnaround and uh, you know and if they can make a big statement i'm not saying that everything has to be brand new i'm actually saying that what you could do is you could say a few things or a number of things that are new and then cobble together the other initiatives on say, I don't know, gambling, anti-corruption um, and various other, you know, things and package it in such a way that, Hey, this is our, you know, this is our vision for 2030 or 2035 or yeah. 2040 or something and and then it's it, you have something that people can actually get behind you know you can say oh no of course this is part of the whatever initiative you know yeah. and it and it and i think that that in itself the act of doing that i think will make people feel more positive yeah. and and so and the thing is is china has been doing really well until relatively recently so it's not as if They've forgotten what it's, you know, Chinese have forgotten what it feels like to be on, you know, to, to be firing on all cylinders. It's only been really a relatively recent thing. So I think I think they can turn it around. But if possible, um, the president needs to, you know, ne needs to make some kind of a statement, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think your approach is 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 good in the sense that given the, the system and the, the way China works, generally speaking, compared mm. to Western countries, is that a lot of people look up to what's going on with uh, the president and its inner circle. And because mm. they've been so concerned as of recently uh, about national security and everything that's been going on with the US and uh, different countries, it's this vision that uh, the little people have that okay we might have a lot of problems with foreign countries and uh, businesses business wise with everybody else but if as you said uh, that main character uh, the president comes out with a specific statement to say okay everything is going to be all right we're moving mm. forward in that direction for now mm. and as you said it doesn't need to be anything necessarily everything needs to be new but something just to restore that confidence and tell people that okay business is back on track you mm -hmm. guys can continue innovating thinking about how to expand your businesses and mm -hmm. that makes just a lot of sense i think mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah 
uh, especially for a country like China, I think, in this case. Um, yeah. But anyways, what about your news today? Yeah, um, so I'm going to talk about something I think will be close to many listeners' hearts. I mean, obviously, I'm being rather presumptuous here, but uh, this is all about dynamic pricing on, on beverages in pubs. Um, so specifically, um, this refers to actually a lot of newspapers mentioned it this morning. Um, the particular article that I saw was the one in the Financial Times. So Stonegate, uh, which is the one that owns brands including Slug and Lettuce and Walkabout, um, has decided to implement a, a dynamic pricing policy uh, in about 800, 800 of its 4,000 pubs. Now, dynamic pricing, it just means that they charge more at peak times, basically, is, is what it is. Um, I mean, when we think of holidays, um, train journeys, airfares, you know, uh, and uh, Ubers, <laughs> you know, there, you, there is, they do, they all do surge pricing, right? Surge pricing or dynamic pricing, i.e. the price moves, right? Um, and I think that this, although this sounds logical, um, I think it's kind of crazy <laughs> um, it, if you have any bars in the vicinity that are, not horrendous places because I think what is going to happen here is that people are going to go, Oh, slug and lettuce. Oh, they've got that funny pricing policy. I mean, it kicks in at, you know, know, I'm not going to bother. Now it may be that the price kicks in at certain times, but people are just going to associate that pop, you know, slug and lettuce with, no fun, you know, yeah. um, and so then just not they're just going to go somewhere else, and it's also possible, I think, is that um, even, even pe- people might go there and think, oh, I'll, I'll, um, uh, you know, I'll go there before that, yeah, you know, before that, and then you know, then I'll go somewhere else. I mean, it, it just, it just seems madness to me, it, given that there are pubs around, they want the business, just they'll just charge the right price um, rather than muck around. Now, having said that, um, I did, I, I did, uh, it just did remind me of a bar that someone told me about years ago, which actually you said that there is, there is an equivalence in London. Yeah. Um, so they were telling me this basically is bar in, in, in Singapore uh, called beer market. And basically what happened was, is that they, they made beer prices. They moved a bit like stocks. They had, um, uh screens all over the you know all over the bar and you could tell which beers were cheapest and which ones the most expensive and they used to update the prices every 30 minutes and the prices were decided in terms of supply and demand so i guess if you were down to your last barrel of i don't know guinness or something then then um then the price would go up and you 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 would have thought that this means that you you'd be able to be really epic um at, at stock control you know as long as you have the right software and and uh, how to how to measure this accurately so um anyway the reason why i'm saying that is because they obviously that that is an example of dynamic pricing but you're kind of getting something extra with it you're getting a bit of fun and now i know that um beer prices being at different prices throughout the night 
is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, but I do think it is, a, it is a fun idea. It's a practical idea, as long as the logistics are smooth. Um, and so, so yeah. So I mean, it's, it's interesting. That there's been a, a, you know, there's been a big backlash. <coughs> Sorry, there's been a big backlash against it. But then again, I, I don't think that I don't think that that's really unexpected. But what what do you think? I think. That's the thing. It makes sense in the sense that uh, I think we're going to see a consumption slowdown with, uh, like, now that it's uh, everything is starting back again, people probably will spend a bit less Mm. and focus a bit more on uh, mortgage payments and things like that. So I'm guessing they are somewhat preempting this uh, slowdown in consumption by hiking the prices in that way. Mm. Does from a purely uh, perspective, uh, what is it called? From the look of it and marketing wise, it really does not make sense because you're essentially telling people, um, I don't know, this concept exists in the UK, right? Happy hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's essentially it does, yeah. saying that we're doing a reversal happy hour because usually <laughs> what happens during happy hour is that everything is cheaper. A sad hour. <laughs> yeah, in a way you're making it. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. like, because for me, in like logistically speaking, you could have hiked the price of everything and then created a happy hour in that sense, prices mm. would have been the same. Yeah, that's right. You so you you think everyone uh, everyone thinks that they're getting a bargain than they actually yeah. are. And it's that's really a question of framing in that sense. It's purely perspective. Uh, yeah. But I think it would have worked probably a bit better. But who knows? And I think you did bring an interesting point earlier that it actually depends on what the competitors do. Mm. And if everybody around uh, every other bars does a similar thing, then yeah, sure, it will work. Mm. But if not everybody is doing the same, I think, as you said, it's a loss for them. People mm. are going to run it. Like, run away is a big word, but people are going to mm. Uh, frequenting those these type of places yeah mind you though i i reckon there will be people out there that will say uh actually i only go during peak hours because you know i can afford it darling <laughs> you know i think i you know it's like i, I only i only go at peak times because i'm i've got loads of money um but uh i you know i don't know i don't know but uh, but i do think it's uh, an interesting idea but i don't think it's going to work that's my that's my wild prediction on that one. Uh, and I'm sure that everyone listening to this uh, podcast has a, has a strong opinion on this. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so what would you do? Do you think you'd, uh, if, if you, if you saw a place had dynamic pricing, would you turn out and, and go straight away? Or would you, you know, let's say, let's say, Hey, let, let's say, what about this then? Right. So let's paint a scenario that you've, you've finished work. You're thinking, Right, I would like it. I would like to have a drink. You're walking down the road. You see that there's um, a you know a slug and lettuce on your right hand side, a I don't know O'Neills or I don't know whatever it is on the other side. Alternative drinking slug and lettuce says that it has uh, dynamic pricing. Place across the road doesn't. Which one are you going to choose, on Dean? Well. <laughs> uh, 
personally, I'm the type of person who, who I actually do analyze prices and I have the an average price for what I would pay for a pint, which oh wow, okay, yeah, uh, around six, maybe seven pounds, I guess, okay, generally wow. lower, but it depends yeah. on the type of places and what yeah. we are uh, situated in general. Obviously, yeah. I would grow with the group think, what the group wants to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If it was my own personal opinion, I think I would go for the other one. Uh, yeah. and to add to that, it's also because of the type of places that Slug and Lettuce is. Uh, it's mm. the nicest types of bar. It's generally just a place where people get together, maybe have one pint or two, and mm. we go somewhere else to do something a mm. bit nicer. Mm. Um so if on top of that, the, because I think Slug and Lettuce is part of the cheapest pubs, uh, if I'm not mm. wrong, mm. and that's what's attractive about Slug and Lettuce. So if that mm. changes, I highly, I highly doubt seeing mm. people going there because they have dynamic pricing. Yeah, uh, it would be quite funny, I think, in that case. In that case. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I think that the the. Um, I mean, I always used to think Slug and Lettuce was a sort of place that you met. You, you either you go there for a quick drink after work, uh, and then get and then part ways, or it's a place that you meet people because um, everyone knows what where it is or what it is, and then you go somewhere proper after that. I mean, it's not to say they're not proper; they're they're fine. You know, it's just I don't think I don't think they're particularly interesting you know they're you know they're, they're nice enough um but nothing you know it's not a destination place is, yeah. is what i'm saying so um so anyway yeah i think this i think this if you could turn this into a destination place a pub into a destination place i reckon you might be able to get away with um uh, average uh, the this dynamic pricing but if you're just pretty bog standard or just you know better nicer than average I don't think it's enough to be compelling. Yeah. So, um, so there you go. But uh, do you have any other thoughts at all today? Um, no, I think we've covered most of it. Cool. Uh, okay. Well, look. Um, thank you very much indeed for your insights today. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you. That's all right. And uh, thank you very much for listeners for listening. Um, remember that uh, we did do this. Uh, you know, uh, this sounds weird. Me recommending this podcast but yesterday's as well i don't describe it very often but what it's i i do in yesterday's one i do describe what uh it's like you know what an ipo is like from an in, inside point of view and you you know you won't get this you won't get this anywhere and it's uh it i think it will make a lot it will make ipos make a lot more sense um to listeners so if you don't know much about ipos please listen, please listen to that because i give you an explanation that you are unlikely to see anywhere else but uh, anyway thank you very much indeed have a great uh, day whatever you're doing and uh, we will be back again tomorrow so many thanks bye <laughs>